welcome to Conversion Stories, where I share my conversations with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am your host, Joey Erickson. In today's episode, you will hear Sandra Harmon share how she was introduced to the church, the sacrifice that was made to get her family to the temple, and how she has clung to the gospel of Jesus Christ through loss and illness. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sandra. So Sandra, I really appreciate you joining me today and sharing your testimony and your journey in the church. Um, Thanks for asking me. So why don't you start by um, introducing yourself? Okay, my name is Sandra Harmon. I uh, attend church uh, in the Dover branch and have been active here since, mm, trying to think, 1965 probably. And uh, so feeling very comfortable here. Great. And uh, yes, I'm a, I'm a widow now for the past um, 24 years. And um, I have 10 children, nine who are here living on the earth with me. I know, excuse me, eight, sorry. Um, We had a little girl pass away when she was five, way back in 1972. And then just recently, I had a son pass away. So, and I, I still... Um, I'm up there in years, uh, but I'm still raising a, a son who is an adopted son. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's actually the birth child of um, another adopted child that my husband and I adopted when she was eight. Um, we had her from um, the Department of Human Services. We were foster parents. and. So she had special needs, and she had a baby eventually and couldn't care for him. So I have him now. He graduated from high school last year, and he also has some special needs. So from just what you've told us, you have a very generous heart and are very giving. Well, I, I finally decided quite late into my life because I always wondered, you know, what was my special talent? What, what, what have I really offered? And then it just came to me one day, your special talent is loving children. Because I'm not going to say your special talent is being this wonderful mother. I've tried to be, but I love them. Mm-hmm. So kind of leads me to do what I've done a lot of times, foster parenting and raising my own children. So I understand that um, you did not grow up in the church, that you found it later on. Did you grow up in a home that went to church, was religious or spiritual? Rarely. Rarely went to church. My my uh, parents were divorced when I was a baby. I had an older brother, a couple years older than me. And um, so I didn't really grow up knowing my father very well. And so my mother was single most of the years raising me. Um, But I had a grandmother 
who was very religious and had a really big impact on my life. Um, there were times when I was younger, like preschool and maybe in first, second grade, that she had quite a lot to do with raising me while my mother was working. She would stay with us um, some of the time. And she was very religious, wonderful, kind, patient. Oh my goodness, she was a wonderful mm -hmm. woman. I can't remember ever hearing her say anything mean about anyone. Wow. So she was kind of like my idol. Yeah. So at what age did you join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Um, I joined when I was 13 from the missionaries coming and uh, tracting into my grandmother. Um, we lived in Sanford in, a, in an apartment building and uh, I always felt later looking back like it was such a miracle that they found us. It was up these, you know, kind of dark stairs and it was sort of a maze. And once you got up the stairs uh, to find the apartments and stuff, we did happen to be the first apartment that they came to up there, um, but they knocked and she answered and let them in and then very soon I started um, joining in on the discussions and so she got baptized first and then she really encouraged me to, so I did. Mm -hmm. But um, sadly, there were very, very few members in Sanford. Sanford um, there were a lot of churches there, a lot of uh, Catholic members there, and um, so there really was no one my age, and uh, so fairly soon after I started attending with her, I sort of fell away a little bit and didn't go too much after that um, until I was older, in my 20s. So between when you stopped attending church and then going back, did you have a relationship with God or Jesus? Did you think about uh, spiritual life? It was sort of a casual relationship. I did go to church occasionally with my grandmother. Um, she wasn't, we weren't always living in the same town at, at that time, but... Um, if she would come to visit, I would usually go to church with her, but um, really kind of lived sort of a moderately worldly life, I guess I would call it. Mm -hmm. um, had picked up a few, uh, well, one word of wisdom habit definitely was smoking cigarettes and um, probably, I would have to say, socially drinking. So that really kind of makes it so you're not that interested in church. Mm -hmm. So what led you back to the church? Well, actually, I had some wonderful home teachers. And um, so when I, after I had four children, my husband and I were divorced. And I was living in New Hampshire at the time, really kind of by myself. My mother had moved back to Brownville Junction, and my grandmother lived in Brownville Junction, and so um, it was when I was expecting my fourth child that my husband left us, and 
So my mother came to stay with me until after I had the baby, and then she brought us back to Maine, where I would have some support, and that was really good. So um, I I had home teachers. They tended out uh, on me and, uh, you know, invited me to church, which I really don't think I went hardly at all during that first year when they were my home teachers. But as time went on, I met this wonderful, kind, loving man who wanted to marry me because he thought I was such a kind, loving mother. Mm. And he wanted someone like that to be a mother to his children. We were still very young in our early 20s. But he was, he was a wonderful man. And so when my home teachers found out that I was getting married, um, he, one of them invited us to come to their home where they had this beautiful old farmhouse to be married so that it would be kind of special and, you know, not just going to the justice of the peace or whatever. So we did that and uh, never realizing the huge impact it would have on us because as we were leaving, he said, so what would you think about having the missionaries come to visit you. Well, he's just been so kind. We're not going to say no. We loved him. Uh, My husband had known him as a little boy, lived in his neighborhood there in Milo. And so we said, sure. And so, but we weren't really excited about (laughs) it. And so the first time, knock, knock, knock on the door, and it was the missionaries. And so... I told them it wasn't a good time, and so they went away. They were very, you know, polite and nice. And then probably a week or two later, knock, knock, knock again, and again it wasn't a good time. And so the third time I said to myself, there's no way that I'm going to be rude a third time and tell them no, I I don't have time or I'm not interested. Um, And so... I invited them in, and um, it's been so long now, I can't remember if it was that very first visit or the second visit, but we were sitting around our kitchen table, and um, the Spirit Mm -hmm. just came upon me so forcefully. I can remember the words that came into my mind. I don't want to get emotional here (laughs) but it is very emotional because it had such a huge impact on our lives the words that came into my mind were oh my goodness it's true it's really true and that was it for me I mean I make it sound so simple but for me it was I knew so well right then that the words they were sharing were true, that um, it just totally changed my life. I went to church the next Sunday. Uh, My husband wasn't quite as excited about it as I was. Um, So I took those four little boys and went to church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I went every week afterwards. And so eventually he did come. He really liked the missionaries a lot. I think it was more about the missionaries beginning in Mm -hmm. the beginning than it was about the gospel, but um, eventually 
he gained a testimony as well, and he was baptized, and it's just been, it, it was just a wonderful change in our lives at that time. Was it hard for you to give up the smoking and the social drinking? You know, I had actually given up the social drinking before the missionaries came, and we had only been married a couple of months, but I had already decided that's not really going to um, help us a lot in our family life. Mm-hmm. And so while he hadn't, I had decided I was just not going to drink anymore. The smoking was a little bit harder, um, uh, and I, I probably went to church for a month or maybe a little more even before I made the decision. And I always said that was the hardest part of quitting was deciding, okay, I'm never going to smoke again. Mm. And um, so I just decided that. And I hate to say it, but I rolled the window down on the way home from church one (laughs) Sunday (laughs) and just chucked them out the window. And that was it. I never smoked again. So... That's amazing. I know a lot of members that have quit, I mean, the stories are just varied because it's such a hard habit to kick. It is. For some people, it is so hard. I I just really always felt like deciding was the hard part for me. Mm -hmm. And then I, I just feel like the Lord strengthened me and blessed me a lot in that. And I never really had been much of a of a coffee drinker or or anything like that. So so it was really, the word of wisdom was fairly easy after those first few weeks. Mm-hmm. So you, did your grandmother stay active in the church? Yes, my grandmother did. And my grandmother was a very, um, not really shy, but very reserved, quiet person. Like I said, I never remember hearing her say a mean word about anyone, um, and my uh, grandfather, her husband, had passed away a year or so before I was born, so I, I never knew him, only through stories that, that she told me, but he had never been a member, of course, uh, he passed, since he passed away before I was born, but, um, but uh, yeah, she, she was always very interested in, in religion. I remember her reading Bible stories to me about Jesus and telling me different stories. And uh, so I felt kind of familiar with the Bible way back in those early, early days. She used to play the piano and she'd play hymns and um, sometimes we'd sing hymns. And yeah, she was just a, and she kind of went from church to church. you know, which was a little different, but I didn't. It didn't seem different to me because that was my grandmother. But she would really start liking this church, and then um, something just wouldn't be right about it. And then she'd go and join another church, and uh, so. But she never. She was totally satisfied after she met the missionaries and she heard the true gospel. She joined and stayed and. Um, she even, like maybe a year or so after she was a member, she, um, her husband had been a railroad man, so she could travel most anywhere on, uh, on railroad passes. So she 
made plans and she went to Salt Lake City all by herself wow. and, um, and was sealed in the temple and had two children that had passed away in their childhood sealed to her and her husband. So that made a pretty big impression on me at that time. Uh, and then again, of course, once I was really converted to the church, that was a huge thing of wanting to go to the temple, and yet it seems so far away. I don't know how we're going to manage this, but we did plan for a year. I was almost always um, a stay-at-home mom, um, so for that year, I got a job so that we could afford to buy a better car and make that plans to travel out to Salt Lake with our six kiddos. It was quite a wild trip, but... (laughs) I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think we do take for granted how close our temples are today. Yes. That there's not as much saving and planning and will this ever happen? Because it just seems so Absolutely. impossible. Absolutely. And, of course, we felt like that would be the only time we would ever get to the temple. Um, and it was, it was kind of scary in a way because just uh, a few months before our trip, that, I, as I said, we'd been planning for a year, my husband got a new, much better job. Mm-hmm. He had been working in a shoe factory, Dexter Shoe, and he got a job um, with the railroad. And But it wasn't a traveling job. It was right in the shops, uh, which were right across the road from where we lived. And um, so it was a wonderful, much better paying job. And so when it came time for him to ask, I mean, he'd only been working there a few months, to ask for a week off, um, they said they were sorry. They wouldn't be able to give him a week off. And so he took it anyway. Mm. And we, we, we left knowing that he would be coming back to no job. I had quit my job because I was only working so we could go to the temple. Right. <laughs> and um, so we came back. and um, But my husband was a hard worker, and he... We knew he would find a job um, fairly easily, and he did. So it wasn't as good a paying job, but uh, it it worked out way better in the long run because it led to a much better job that he was able to have most of his working life after that. So the Lord provides and watches over us, doesn't he? He certainly does. Oh, amazingly so. That's amazing. So how did your faith help you in family life, raising your children, having a relationship with your husband? So much, so, so much. Um, Because we were very happy in the church, but we also went through some really difficult times um, that could have really discouraged some people. Um, it was a little discouraging to us as well, but we always clung in. Um, two years after we went to the temple, we had a house fire, mm-hmm. and it was in the night, 
and um, our trusty dog woke us. We had, um, let me see, we had seven children then, so we had one baby since we had come home from the temple. My grandmother was staying with us at the time, so um, my husband and I were sleeping downstairs. They were all sleeping upstairs, and um, I woke up, the dog woke me up, and I could look right out into the kitchen, and that whole kitchen wall was aflame. And um, it was really, house was filling up with smoke and whatnot. And um, so my grandmother made it out, all the kids except for my little girl. Mm-hmm. And she was five at the time. And um, that was catastrophic, of course, because it was really hard for me to imagine her being somewhere where she didn't need me. I mean, I knew, spiritually, I knew she was okay, and oh, how thankful I was that we were sealed. But it was, it was really, really difficult, but um, as I said, just so reassuring to know that we, I would have her back, and um, that I clung to that, and my testimony was strengthened in, in that way, knowing that, and even in years, later years, it felt like even more of a blessing to me that by then because, you know, we had, um, we had six boys and, uh, and then, and then Stephanie, my little girl, and um, it was, in, as years went by, it was hard times for kids in those days uh, in the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of um, reasons that they could kind of fade away and get swallowed up by some of the world things that were happening. Um, and and that happened to, to some. And uh, it was just so reassuring. I knew, well, I really knew I'd have them too because of the sealing promise, but I knew knew that I would have her, mm-hmm. that she was, she was pure and clean and that she would be my girl. And then later, after she passed away, um, we did have another little girl. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then we adopted one. And then I adopted her son, as I said. And so, yeah, 10 kids all in all. But the church has just been so um, so reassuring to have a testimony, to know of the truth. That's the most important thing, really, to know what is true that you can cling on to. And um, we went through another hard time uh, later when, when my uh, youngest daughter was four. I was diagnosed with... Um, advanced ovarian cancer mm-hmm. and um, that was pretty shocking and scary um, you know I immediately thought of my kids so my oldest son then was um, I think he was 18 or 19 and then they w- went down from from there my my baby uh, Heather she was four and then uh, the next boy, the one that was born right after we went to the temple, he was like um, seven, something like that. 
and then up in the teens from there and stuff. So it was pretty scary. I just didn't know what it would be like if I for them if I wasn't there and I just felt super important to them at that time. Their dad was very important. Not, you know, taking anything away from dads at all, but come on. <laughs> they needed me and uh so I had a very spiritual experience when I had after I'd been diagnosed and had my surgery and stuff. Um, kind of reminded me the sister who was I think the first counselor in the primary organization who spoke about when she found out she had cancer mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yes. Um, I had a little bit of a similar experience. Uh, I had so so the cancer was very advanced. It was um, you know stage four it was the doctors didn't expect me to get better. I could tell, and uh, they kind of shared a little bit of that with my husband, but they were going to fight. They were going to put me through everything to try to live, and I wanted to do everything. I knew it was basically up to the Lord, but I just wanted to do everything I could do. Uh, So I had the the surgery, uh, and I won and started the, the chemotherapy and stuff. It was rough. It was and it was scary, and this one night everyone was in bed asleep, and I just have it, started having like a panic attack or something where I was just shaking, and I'd never had any experience like that before, and crying and just so scared for my kids, really for my kids. And um, I just knelt down, and um, oh, I hope I'm not going to... I am kind of a crybaby. I should say that right now. I'm sorry. I'll I'll try to not. But I knelt down, and it was the shortest prayer I ever gave in my life. It was just no name, but please help me. And it was one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life. It was just like um, this warmth and kind of like arms around me. It came from the top of my head all the way down to my toes. And shaking all went away, crying stopped. I knew I was going to be all right. I didn't hear words that said that, but I knew I was gonna be all right, that it was gonna be all right. I didn't know if I was gonna live or die, but that's how strong that experience was. Whether I died or not, I knew the kids were, were going to be okay. I knew it was going to be all right. And I never, ever had that experience again. I went through um, several surgeries and um, two different types of chemotherapy for like 20 months. It was horrible. Lost all my hair, vomited <laughs> constantly after having my, uh, you know, my chemotherapy and everything. But... Eventually, the hair grew back, chemotherapy was done, and I was, was okay. Wow. So how did these experiences um, with loss and your cancer affect your relationship with the Savior? Oh, wow. Um, especially with the cancer. 
I really had um, many times of pondering and feeling so close to him, pondering his atoning sacrifice. Because to me, <laughs> I knew it wasn't, but to me it felt like I was suffering almost as bad as anyone could. But then I would think of him, and it would, it would just make me in awe of him and his love for all of us, um, no matter if we're worthy of it or not, it's there. He just loves us all that much. And um, so it really, it really caused me to ponder a lot on his atoning sacrifice and what it meant. And, um, you know, as when the temple came in Washington, D.C., and there were stake temple trips, my husband and I went a lot to the to the temple and I remember one um, state conference President Lawler was the state president and one of the things that he said in his talk we really took to heart he said he encouraged us all to make trips to the temple part of our vacation plans mm -hmm. and um, oh my goodness we did that we took the kids to Washington DC sometimes we would take a babysitter with us if we didn't have one that was old enough to watch them while we would go and do a session in the temple and take them to the zoo and the museums. It was really such good advice for us and it's always, um, and we, we have a good temple trip program here in our branch and we try to go at least a couple times a month. So um, yeah, I think, I think when we have an opportunity to go through um, some hard things. Um, we can either get discouraged and kind of drift off, but I think, I know for sure that the best choice is to cling and to um, come closer and to read more and to just try to strengthen your testimony because it's the most important thing in the whole world, right? Yeah, yeah. And the Lord is always there for you. He's always, always been there for me. I've never felt alone uh, when I have times of sorrow and, you know, challenging things to deal with. He's been right there, and I, I appreciate that so much. So I feel bad for people who go through difficulties and they feel all alone because they don't know the Lord, and, mm -hmm. and uh, it makes such a big difference. Yeah, it's definitely a comfort to know that we are never alone. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So do you mind sharing about your husband and losing him? That was, that was a really big shock, because I just always figured that my husband and I were going to be old together. We were pretty young when we first got married, even though I'd been married before and had children. I started that very young. Um, so, and his health had always been pretty good, um, but we went, we had an appointment to go with the missionaries one night to visit um, a part member family. And um, my husband was uh, bishop at the time. And 
I thought that he was being a little more quiet than usual because he was pretty outgoing and, um, you know, found it easy to talk to people and whatnot. But he was pretty quiet, and um, so I wanted to ask him about it once we dropped the missionaries off. And so I did. I said, you seemed kind of quiet tonight. And he said, I am so sick. And I thought, oh, my word. So we went home, and it was pain. Um, and it was a, it ended up being a disease that uh, I'd never heard of before, uh, mesenteric venous thrombosis. And it was, a, it was an illness that um, affected a, um, the clotting of blood in your intestines and it just kind of would cut part of your, you know what I mean, your, your intestines stopped working properly. In the, so I ended up taking him to the hospital that night and they thought at first it might be Crohn's disease. Um, and then they, they sent him home the next day, did a few tests on him, but he and he had, um, you know, some of the uh, elders come and administer to him, but I ended up taking him back to the hospital. He was just really very sick, and so they sent him uh, to Bangor in the ambulance, and he was diagnosed with this mesenteric venous thrombosis, and um, so they operated on him they had to do some tests on him first. While they were doing the tests, um, he had a major heart attack, mm -hmm. and um, it stopped the blood flow to his feet and ankles. So they would have had to been removed because there was no life. They were just they were cold and kind of rigid and. It was just a horrible mm -hmm. thing, and so um, he just, it, with this disease, if it, it, it doesn't show up until it's already pretty advanced, so you don't know. So a lot of times, most times, it doesn't, it's not curable. So he passed away, like, within a week or so. And that was, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty hard to realize we aren't going to grow old together. We're not going to go traveling. We're not going to go on a mission. Um, but once again, the Lord was there for me, sealed in the temple. He's waiting for me. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll just say this too. My church family has always been very important to me. My own children have been, we've supported one another through, especially through his um, death um, and, the, and the friends, I think of them as family at church was a, a big part of it as well, mm -hmm. so. How old was he when he passed away? 55. Mm -hmm. And I've got s several sons now who are older than that and it's like, oh my goodness, I realized he was so young, but I didn't realize he was quite that young, you know? Mm -hmm. Now they're older than he was, right. some of them. And um, yeah, it was pretty shocking. 
So did you have children still at home, or were they all grown <clears throat> yeah, I, up? No, they, they, were, uh, they were all grown up, and, um, and I think, except for, uh, for my youngest daughter, who my husband and I had adopted, um, I think they were all married grandchildren and stuff. So that was really hard, too, for the grandchildren. Papa, Grampy, he was a pretty important person. They used to come visit us almost every Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Big family, all common. <laughs> he used to, like, um, he was a high councilman um, after he was at one point in time. He was bishop when he passed away, but he had been bishop before as well. Um, and he used to like to go, when he would go places, he would like to work in a story like, okay, Sunday afternoons, it was kind of like, oh, Sandra, look out the window, here come the kids. Mm-hmm. And then three or four hours later, it would be, phew, Sandra, <laughs> there go the kids. <laughs> but that was such an important part of our, of our lives, you know. Mm-hmm. So how was that transition for you from being a wife to being a widow? And did you start working outside the home? Did you Actually, for about 13 years before that, I had been working outside the home, working at our local uh, domestic violence agency. And... <clears throat> um, I was the children's program coordinator, so that kind of goes along with my, <laughs> with my uh, druthers, things I'd rather do. But before, before he got sick and passed away, for the year or so before that, his job, he worked at the Bangor Daily News, and it was becoming more demanding, uh, you know. And so we had decided that we would, that I would retire and that we'd get back into foster parenting. And so um, we were taking the training and everything, and then he passed away. And then I thought, what what should I do? Should I continue on with that? I'd be a single parent. And we had been in training to do um, specialized foster care. So it would be a little more challenging, kiddos. And... Um, but I prayed about it, and I just felt like it was it was the right thing for me to do, and so I did. I retired, and came home, and it it really worked out well. I did have some challenging kiddos, but they fit in uh, pretty good. And by that time, I had um, adopted my adopted daughter's son, mm-hmm. and so he was little. So you know, gave him some kids to play with, and it it really worked out wonderfully well. And I still am in touch with quite a few of them. Mm. So, yeah, I, I I think that was the right thing to do. That's neat. Um, have there been any callings that you have had that you feel have helped you through these hardships and challenges and kept your faith? Strong. Um, well, let me just tell a quick, quick story. Way back when my husband was getting ready to be baptized, the missionaries asked me to help 
and I was really kind of shy and I had never prayed out loud before or anything. Um, they wanted me to give a prayer at his baptism. And, oh, I just felt so, like, I can't. I can't do that. That's too hard. I begged and pleaded, please don't ask me to do that. So, of course, they didn't push me. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably wouldn't have gone if they would <laughs> But I felt such a great need to repent of that, that I promised the Lord that I would never turn down any opportunity to serve, again, whatever it was, in the church. If the Lord called me to it, I would do it. And so I've really pretty much enjoyed all my callings. I've worked um, in the Relief Society. Um, I didn't work as much in the young women's, but a lot in the primary, a real lot in the primary. And currently... And for several years now, I am um, co-teaching Sunday school for the teenagers, and I love that. I'm just hoping they don't start thinking I'm too old and <laughs> decide they, they need to retire me because I don't want to retire. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, the Lord knows how strong and healthy you are, right? So he'll yeah. just keep asking I'm, I'm until... Hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping so because I can't think of a calling I'd rather have love those teenagers mm. wonderful people well I'm sure they're learning so much from you just as you're learning from them and they have another wonderful young teacher uh, <laughs> to compliment nice. compliment each other both, both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's it's impressive because you know there are members who get older and just think okay my time is done, you know, like I've, I've done it. So yeah. um, I'm leaving it up time. to the Lord. Yeah. I'll just put it that way. I'm leaving it up to the Lord. I'll probably shed a tear or two when I'm released, but uh, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever he wants me to do, I'm, I'll be around. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, so I've been asking members about their experience with the pandemic. What was that like? for you and your testimony? Um, it was, it was you know, hard to get used to, not coming to church. Um, I've always been so grateful that my desire is always high to attend church. Um, and, but other than, other than just missing the, the being together and taking, the sacrament together and whatnot, um, it didn't really have a huge impact on me. Um, and it it was just uh, a big relief when things started going back to normal and you could see your brothers and sisters um, every Sunday. And, but it didn't, it didn't really have a huge impact on me. So were you able to receive the sacrament when there wasn't church? Yeah. Yes, I could. Because um, most, most of my children live fairly close by. Uh, my oldest son and his family live in South Carolina. Uh, and um, one of them lives in Rhode Island. But other than that, they're all in Maine. And, and um, I would... Would have that opportunity. 
to to be able to do that. So that was very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a blessing to yes. have family that could step in and yes recognize what you needed and mm-hmm. fill fill those needs. Yeah, and I of course, you know, like I said, the the members here just really feel like a big family. So mm-hmm. I would not ever have to go without that. Nice. Well, good. <clears throat> Is there anything that we haven't covered? I don't. I don't think so. It's. I didn't want it to it's be been too amazing. long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking, hmm, how long would anyone want to listen <laughs> to me talk about? But honestly, I just want to end, I guess, by saying that um, being a member of this church has been the very greatest blessing of my life. And I certainly, you know, love my grandmother for being such an important part of that and, uh, and being able to offer that to my children um, is, is so, so special. I, I, do you ever wonder what, what would your life be like without the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. And isn't it kind of scary? Mm. It is yeah. a little scary to yeah. me because things are a little dark Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. in this old world. Yeah. But I just feel like we have our little lamps glowing and we're just going around trying to add a little light here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful blessing in my life and everyone who will take the opportunity to have it in theirs. So speaking of light, that just made me think of um, what what is your daily habits to keep your testimony strong? Well, uh, it is um, prayer, scripture study, um, and I'm not super good at this, but I do like to try to see if there's something that I could do for someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't happen every day because um, sometimes I'm just too lazy for that. But I love it when it does. When something comes to my mind that I could do, and, and a lot of times it's not other members of the church. It might I live in a senior citizen housing development and a lot of times it might be a neighbor or something but that it just makes me feel good when I can do some little thing for mm-hmm. someone so I try I try to listen to the to the spirit's voice um, sometimes the TV drowns it out I'm afraid and I have to try to be careful of that mm-hmm. but I, I do I do love the blessings of being in this church and trying hard to mm-hmm. please the Lord. It's what we're all doing, just trying yes. to do our best do, and trying, trying to, do, to do better yeah. every day, yeah. really. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so... Think Celestial. I, I love that, mm-hmm. um, that counsel. I think of it a lot and um, try to... Try to and I try to kind of follow after my grandmother's footsteps too, being being as kind as I can and mm. 
not using my words to hurt anyone. That's something we all, I think, should be striving for. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that's one thing that Satan is trying so hard to keep us apart, not let us really bond and support and love and, yeah. So, Well, do you mind ending us with a formal testimony? Oh, I would love to. Um, I'm just really grateful to have a testimony of this church and to know that we have a living prophet. I'm so, so grateful for the prophet Joseph Smith. I'm so amazed at what he was able to do through the help of the Lord and in restoring this gospel and the priesthood and the Book of Mormon. Um, It's just the greatest blessing in my life to know that I belong where truth is. That's that's so, so awesome for me. And I I just um, am grateful, as I said, for a living prophet because every every six months we get to hear wonderful, uplifting. And not even that, we've been encouraged here to keep listening to the talks through the, through the days from one conference to the next. That's a wonderful blessing to have, to be able to do that. And I just know uh, this church is true and I'm, I'm so thankful for the promises that the Lord has given to his faithful saints and I'm trying to, trying to be worthy. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I loved spending time with Sandra and getting to know her better. What a sweet woman. When I listened to her story again before publishing, The part where she said her branch plans two trips to the temple a month stood out to me because for them, and many of us in our stake, going to the Boston Temple is roughly an eight-hour round trip. So I double-checked to see if Sandra meant to say twice a year, but no, they plan two trips a month, which is so inspiring. If you would like to see a picture of Sandra, and other members who have shared their stories, you can go on Instagram to Conversion Stories Podcast. If you would like to learn more about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you can visit churchofjesuschrist.org. And if you would like to share your conversion story, you can reach me at conversionstoriespodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to sharing your story.